0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, December 14th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, respiratory illness keeps kids home, Telski delays Chair 9 opening, San Miguel County gives overview of 2023 budget and a mountain weather forecast. But first, Norwood lost a member of its community this week. Elizabeth Dietrich passed away at her home after losing a battle with leukemia and ovarian cancer. She was 77 years old. Dietrich was in the care of Touch of Care Hospice and surrounded by family when she died. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, Dietrich was a lover of life and athletics and never slowed down, traveling all over the world. Crippen Funeral will attend to services. Dietrich is survived by her sister, Debbie. Winter often brings a set of respiratory illnesses, and this year is no different. What we're seeing at the Med Center is
1: um, definitely an uptick in patients needing visits, um, particularly to get tested and evaluated. Um, a lot of
0: flu and some increased RSV and COVID as well, and a little bit of strep. That's Emily McGow, a family nurse practitioner at the Telluride Regional Medical Center and nurse consultant for local child care facilities. This week saw over 100 students in the Telluride School District out for respiratory illnesses, and McGow says recently an early child care facility closed for a day due to high numbers of respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, and other flu-like symptoms. There can be a lot of overlap between these um So What we're seeing
1: in the last couple of days with this strain of the flu is that a lot of people have sore throats with it. Usually with the the flu, we think of cough, fever, malaise, so just like feeling overall unwell, um, and body aches. but this year, that's also being accompanied
0: by the sore throat. Strep will often see sore throat and a fever without a cough. COVID can bring a wide range of symptoms: fever, sore throat, cough, body aches. And then RSV, um, for most people um, who
1: are immune competent, so who are who do not have any kind of immunocompromise and they're adults, um, we tend to see cold symptoms. Um, What's been different um, this year is that um, some adults are getting more severe cases of RSV and then they're getting fevers, worsening coughs, shortness of breath, and respiratory um, distress. And what what we really get concerned about with RSV is very young um, kids and babies getting it because they can go into respiratory distress and decompensate pretty quickly. Um, So Fever, runny nose, cough um, in a baby is definitely a reason to be seen.
0: McGow notes the med center is seeing an increase in illness across the board age-wise, but it does seem to be hitting younger children more heavily. Given COVID precautions over the past several years, McGow says that's not fully surprising. We're seeing a lot in kids, I think partially because they haven't been exposed to a lot of these things in the last couple of years. Um,
1: And there's a whole population of little kids that hasn't been exposed to a lot of the routine um, illnesses that so many kids are exposed to normally or were exposed to prior to COVID.
0: She notes for most individuals, monitoring symptoms and treating at home will be sufficient. She adds a test at the med center often won't change the trajectory of your illness. I think one of the things that go, that's
1: going on in our community is that everyone's rushing to get tested and then they want something
0: Um to help with the illness and a lot of times it's just supportive care that's rest immune support tylenol or ibuprofen for a fever and staying away from others of course she adds if you're concerned about symptoms contact your medical provider but in this day and age she says symptoms are symptoms and you should be staying home right now if you're symptomatic and you have negative tests you still need
1: to stay at home <laughs> Um, because if you have symptoms, then you probably are contagious with something, even if it's not COVID, flu, RSV, or strep.
0: And while it may harken back to a time we'd rather forget, McGow says there is a simple way to help limit the spread of disease. We got away from the mask pretty suddenly,
1: and um, I think that's another way that we can protect each other. Is that you know if you can wear a mask in in public spaces, if you're you know in the grocery store or at a store. Um, or if your kid's OK wearing a mask at school, it's a fairly reasonable thing to do right now to reduce the risk of spread. Um, and so I think if people are comfortable going back to the mask, that, that could be
0: helpful as well. When it comes to general health support over the winter, McGow urges individuals to get up to date on their COVID and flu shots, get good rest, drink less alcohol, eat a healthy diet, hydrate and get exercise and fresh air. the opening of Lift 9 is getting pushed back.
2: Main factors there, it's just limited labor throughout, you know, when we started construction till today for this type of work and some issues that we've been having with some of the subcontractors as well. And, uh, you know, Doppelmayr is really the one taking on a lot of this construction. And, uh, you know, a big part of this is just having that labor spread so thin.
0: That's Patrick Latcham, vice president of marketing and sales for the Telluride Ski Resort. Tellski announced the delay earlier this week. Latcham notes the resort was aware of the delay before, but waiting to announce until they had a more definitive timeline for the lift opening.
2: You know, we wanted to do the load test was originally scheduled for the 16th. And now that's when we're doing the the slicing of the haul rope. Um So everything just kind of got pushed back, and as soon as we had the the updated timeframes, frames, um, that's when we let everyone know.
0: according to Lacham, getting the haul rope spliced is a key piece for the lift and a difficult element to complete.
2: There's only a few people in the world with the skill set to do that and and that haul rope I mean it's the big cable that that holds all the chairs up. And obviously, I mean, it needs to be seamless.
0: Once that is complete, Telski can work on aligning their tower assemblies, getting the chairs on the lift.
2: A lot of fun progress starts after that. Hall rope is spliced.
0: Latcham says Telski now plans to load test Chair 9 on January 18th. While skiers will have to wait to ride up the new Chair 9, Latcham notes the resort will be opening the terrain in the area for the holidays.
2: Right now, what we're waiting for is to make sure we have a safe egress out of 9. and that's that's, you know, that's bailout, cat's paw, um, easy way out, those things like that. We gotta make sure we have the snow making in place there. There's not enough natural snow. Um we're actually moving a lot of snow making guns via helicopter today and tomorrow to to transition our, our snow making efforts to that front side of the mountain. Um so we'll be able to make a significant amount of snow there next week with the goal of opening that up right around Christmas. Um, And which will allow us to then open up the Chair 9 terrain.
0: The area will be accessible from the top of Chair 6 or as a hike to. Latcham acknowledges it's been a tough opening for the resort, but they're moving full steam ahead.
2: Just know that we're working around the clock to to get it open as soon as possible, and and we won't be moving the goal line again. Uh, Late January will be the absolute latest for the opening of the new Chair 9.
0: To get more updates on Chair 9 and other updates from the Telluride Ski Resort, tune in next Tuesday, December 20th at 6 p.m. for an off the record program with Telski officials. On Wednesday, December 7th, San Miguel County unanimously passed its 2023 budget. Shortly after the big day, county manager Mike Bordogna sat down with KOTO's Gavin McGough to discuss the details. He brought the budget with him in a thick black binder and began by counting up the pages.
3: This is This is the short version, which is 87 pages. Then we have the every individual line item version that's like 160. And was it... Uh, unanimous, contentious? No, this one was one of the smoothest budget processes that we've had in recent years. The commissioners were unanimous in their support of what's included in this year's budget and uh, the projects and programs that it will enable the county to complete next year. And what are some of those those big headline items? Sure. So last the last two years, We've had a bunch of major capital projects. We've rebuilt the jail. We uh, added the new Nora Sheriff's Annex. We added solar. And so this year, we're kind of shifting back to more of our normal operations. So some of the things that are included in this coming year budget are that we're planning to Pave a section of K69, which is the area of the road out to Bridal parking lot. Uh, With some grant funding that we were just awarded, as well as county funds that we had already allocated, we'll be replacing the Appleball Bridge down near uh, um, Down Valley. We're continuing on this land analysis of every county-owned piece of land in the the R1 and R2 area for housing suitability to see where we could add deed-restricted affordable housing. Beyond that, one other big thing is we implemented our wage study. So um, we saw expenditures for 2023 increase almost 8%, and the vast majority of that was implementing um, the wage recommendations from our Consultant Employers Council after working through that with the Board of Commissioners. Hmm. The so other... that's giving county workers raises. For most, but not all. And really what it did is it tried to benchmark us to other public employers around the state of Colorado. Um, And so it'll enable us to be more competitive as we recruit. We've had a lot of difficulty recruiting for lower wage positions in the county. And that's one of the major shifts in this is that we're going to be starting with higher wages. Uh, What's the number on this budget? The total budget this year has... $30,309,160 $30,309,160 in expenditures. Is revenue from taxes the main source of the budget? What other sources do you have, areas of funding? Do you include grants in your budget or state funding? I appreciate you asking that because yes, yes. Property tax equates to approximately $10 million uh, of our, so it is the largest single funding, mu- uh, funding bucket for the county. Sales tax, we're predicting next year will generate approximately $4.3 million. But we also have fees for services, and that's a relatively small portion uh, of that funding stream. But the next biggest one are direct allocations and grants. So you said this was a pretty smooth process this time around. Will you talk a little bit about what the process was like? Absolutely. One of the things we wanted to do was involve our board of commissioners more hands-on and what the long-term needs were for each of these offices and departments. And um, that got commissioner buy-in really early on, which I think was a key to allowing this process to go so much better this year. Is there anything that the county really wanted to fit in but didn't have room for? We've seen the request for increased services across the board in all of the communities within the county, um, and the reality is that we cannot, we cannot add um, staffing or programs and projects rapidly and then, and then d- take them away. Creating staff positions for additional services is expensive, Bordonia explains, and requires long-term thinking. He adds that the county is grateful for the input of its constituents. During COVID, with the advent of Zoom, we've seen greater participation in our public meetings, in our public process, um, and even in our budget than we have it at any point in memorable history. And we really like that. We are really appreciative to have a more engaged public. Despite wage increases for many county workers and a predicted decrease in sales tax revenue, county tax rates will stay more or less steady in the coming year.
0: The Norwood Ranger District burned brush piles about one mile east of Ophir on Tuesday, with burns continuing for several days. Smoke will be visible in the Ophir area, and the Ranger District and Tri-State Energy will be monitoring the burns. They are asking for safety reasons that the public avoid the areas around the burn piles. There are 12 days of Christmas, eight nights of Hanukkah, but only six opportunities to see the premier theatrical event of the season. Telluride Theaters, Susan and Kevin's Holiday Party Saves the World. The show is a high energy musical telling the story of two millennial computer scientists who work at Santa's workshop. In a classic Christmas conundrum, when Santa needs a break from his holiday tasks, Susan and Kevin must step in to save the day. Running December 16th to 18th and 21st to 23rd, the curtain rises at 7 p.m. at the Sheridan Opera House. Tickets are available at TellurideTheater.org. There was Noel Night, the Arts Bazaar, the Holiday Prelude, but somehow you still haven't finished your Christmas shopping. Never fear. On Thursday evening, Art Walk returns with a holiday theme, and galleries up and down Main Street will open with new pieces on display. Whether you're shopping or just enjoying the art, there will be refreshments and live music to accompany the event. Tyler Simmons will be performing live at the Telluride Arts HQ Gallery. The walk is Thursday, December 15th from 5 to 8 p.m. A full list of galleries can be found at telluridearts.org. Colorado's 2022 election is final. Secretary of State Jenna Griswold officially certified the results on Monday. Griswold also announced finished recounts in the 3rd Congressional District and State House District 43. They did not change the results of either race. Griswold's office verified the election by conducting risk-limiting audits with each of Colorado's county clerks. Almost 60% of the state's eligible voters cast ballots in this year's election. Two survivors of last month's shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs testified in front of the U.S. House of Representatives on Wednesday. Club Q bartender Michael Anderson and patron James Slaw spoke at the House Oversight Committee hearing about the rise of anti LGBTQ extremism and violence nationwide. Club Q owner Matthew Haynes also spoke. He called on elected officials to put the safety of LGBTQ Americans above politics.
4: We are being slaughtered and dehumanized across this country, in communities you took oaths to protect. LGBTQ issues are not political issues. They are not lifestyles. They are not beliefs. They are not choices. They are basic human rights.
0: Haynes says anti-LGBTQ rhetoric, specifically from Republicans, combined with access to military-style assault weapons, has serious consequences. The Navajo Nation Police Department has received numerous missing persons reports that they've traced back to addiction treatment centers in Arizona. Now they're warning tribal communities about recruiters. For KSUT Tribal Radio, Crystal Ashke has more.
5: It all started one Monday morning when Navajo Nation Police Sergeant Roland Ash looked at the rest log after the weekend.
6: And we usually have a lot of um, public and talk to us, right, on a Monday morning or uh, over the weekend. And I noticed that we didn't have, we only had one. And I asked the sergeant, "Dude, hey man, what's going on? We only had one arrest over the weekend. What so happened?" He says, "He says I don't know." I said, "You know what? Let's go start. Let's go check." So
5: Sergeant Dash started asking around and heard about a white van coming into Tuba City,
6: Arizona. He was asking everybody if they were hungry, if they wanted a the place to stay. If they had rehab center that they, were, that they were coming out of rehab center out of out of Phoenix area. That they need assistance uh, for rehabilitation from alcohol.
5: The recruiters have been reported in various areas like outdoor markets and picking up people on the side of the road, according to a statement published on Facebook by Navo Nation Police Department on November 17. Soon, families started to report their loved ones missing.
6: So, we started getting calls about uh, missing persons.
5: Sergeant Dash began looking into different sober homes or group homes after a family member of a missing person told him their brother went to a recovery treatment center in Phoenix, Arizona. Sergeant Dash spoke with the individual over the phone. He explained he willingly went with the recruiters, but the police department's Facebook post from November 17 said some people had experienced difficulty returning to the Navajo Nation. Sergeant Dash says this is an ongoing
6: problem. Right now, it's a constant thing. These guys showing up here and taking these individuals down.
5: In a separate Facebook post from October 26, Carol Willetto, a community member, warned people about a couple from Blue Sapphire Group Home showing up at Winter Rock, Arizona's outdoor market and recruiting people. Tribal Radio contacted the Blue Sapphire Group Home about their business and why they were in Windorock, Arizona. A woman who identified herself as Justine apologized and said she was not involved because she had no Navo clients and then hung up. Sergeant Dash is now working with other law enforcement agencies to investigate any possible criminal activity to ensure the safety of Navo communities.
6: I made contact with uh, FBI on this whole thing. I made contact with my superiors on, on everything that's going on, I provided them with information. I made contact with CI, our criminal investigator here in Tuba City. What's going on here?
5: The Navajo Nation Police Department is advising community members not to get into vehicles with individuals they do not know, even for a short ride. Sergeant Dash is asking anyone with information to contact the Navajo Nation Police Department or contact the FBI at tips.fbi.gov. For KSUT Tribal Radio, I'm Crystal Ashke.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the Western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with isolated snow showers late. The low should be around 5 degrees. Scattered snow showers are likely to continue into Thursday morning with a possible accumulation of 3 to 5 inches. The high should be around 20 degrees. Thursday night calls for cloudy skies with a low around 0 degrees and wind chill values as low as negative 15. Friday should be mostly sunny with a high near 15 degrees followed by a clear night with a low near zero. This has been the news for Wednesday, December 14th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries.
7: Hello, CODO listeners. This is Anne Brown, health educator for San Miguel County Public Health. I'm speaking to you about the community health survey we've been conducting for the past couple of months. The survey deadline is this Friday, December 16th, and we know there are at least a few people out there in our communities who haven't yet participated. Your response to this survey is crucial. It is part of our five year improvement process, and results will help set future public health department priorities. We want to hear from everyone How is life going for you here in San Miguel County? Do you have any concerns about your own health and well being? What can public health and our partner organizations do to help? Your response to the survey is confidential. Share your contact information, which will be separated from your response, to enter a raffle for one of $300 grocery gift cards. To take the survey online, go to the San Miguel County Public Health webpage. For a paper copy of the survey, stop by the Wilkinson Public Library Lone Cone Library, Uncompagre Medical Center, or the Public Health Office on the third floor of the Miramonte Building in Telluride. Again, our deadline is this Friday, December 16th. Questions? Call Public Health at 728-4289 or call me personally at 729 We want your input. Thanks for listening and thanks, Koto. Y ahora, mi colega Andrés Jacinto Alonso va a decirlo en español.
4: Hola, oyentes de radio KOTO de Telluride. Esta es Ana Brown, educadora de salud del Departamento de Salud Pública del Condado de San Miguel. Les estoy hablando sobre la encuesta de salud comunitaria que hemos estado llevando a cabo durante los últimos meses. La fecha límite para la encuesta es este viernes 16 de diciembre y sabemos que hay algunas personas en nuestras comunidades que aún no han participado. Su respuesta a esta encuesta es crucial. Es parte de nuestro proceso de mejora de los siguientes cinco años y los resultados ayudarán a establecer futuras prioridades del Departamento de Salud Pública. Queremos escuchar de usted cómo le va la vida aquí en el Condado de San Miguel, ¿Tiene alguna preocupación sobre su propia salud y bienestar? ¿Qué puede hacer Salud Pública y nuestras organizaciones asociadas para ayudarle? Su respuesta a la encuesta es confidencial. Comparta su información de contacto al final de la encuesta para participar en una de las tres tarjetas de regalo de 100 dólares. Para realizar la encuesta en línea, vaya en nuestra página de web del Departamento de Salud Pública del Condado de San Miguel para obtener una copia impresa de la encuesta pase por la Biblioteca Pública Wilkinson, la Biblioteca Long Con, el Centro Médico Un Padre, o la Oficina de Salud Pública en el tercer piso piso, perdón, del edificio Miramonte en Telluride de nuevo, nuestra fecha límite es este viernes 16 de diciembre ¿Tiene preguntas? llame a salud pública al siete dos ocho dos ocho nueve o llámeme a mí al número siete dos nueve dos nueve uno queremos su opinión y su voz gracias por escucharme y gracias a Radio K O T O Anteluray.
8: Hey there Koto listeners, it's Sarah Holbrook here from the Pinhead Institute bringing the love of STEM to students pre-K through 12th grade in rural southwestern Colorado. I have some great science stories for you from the New York Times Science Times. First of all, in Greenland's permafrost, about 600 miles from the North Pole, scientists discovered 2 million-year-old genetic material. This is twice as old as the previous Oldest genetic material they found, um, and that genetic material includes scores of plant and animal species, including mastodons, geese, lemmings, and ants. I mean, I can see a James Cameron movie rising out of this. It's it's kind of remarkable. Um, so they're studying now, and uh, and there should be a complete picture, you know, delivered to us before too long. I'm pretty excited about that. Also, you probably have heard the news that scientists studying fusion energy at Lawrence Livermore National Labs in California, we should send an intern there, announced on Tuesday that they had crossed a long-awaited milestone in reproducing the power of the sun in a laboratory. Scientists for decades have talked about how fusion could provide a future source of bountiful energy, but until now, it, already, it always took more energy than it produced. Well... That changed on Tuesday, which is pretty exciting. And when I talk about laser energy, it also reminds me that Pinhead has not one, but two laser cutters in the town of Telluride. One is in the Pinhead STEM lab at the Telluride High School, and one is at the Pinhead headquarters down by Chair 7. We are offering a free and open to the community, not just for kids, holiday ornament making class. Um, both Thursday afternoon, and that's the 16th, and then also, sorry, uh Friday afternoon, the 16th, and then next Thursday afternoon, the 22nd, both at the Pinhead STEM Lab Um, And that's over at the Telluride High School. So you'll have to go into the main door and people will let you in. We'll have pinhead staffers waiting for you there. Um, And you can make holiday ornaments with our laser cutters. The hours Friday the 16th are 3.30 to 6.15. And then on Thursday the 22nd, for any last minute presents you might need, Uh, It's from 12 to 3. And just so you have kind of, you can wrap your head around it, uh, the lasers cut images that are fairly high contrast. So it would be like something you draw with a Sharpie or a black and white photo that has lots of light and lots of dark. We can transpose those onto um, ornaments, or you can decorate some pre-cut ornaments that we have. Uh, It's my favorite time of year, as you can imagine. I am traveling all around, interviewing our Pinhead intern wannabes, and that's always a delight. I'm going to head to Natarita tomorrow, uh, and then Olathe on Friday. Anyhow, if you'd like to support Pinhead, go make a donation on pinheadinstitute.org. Thank you for listening. This is Sarah Holbrook signing off. Opinions
0: broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You're also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.